Welcome everyone to see you next week in the ring. This is a special edition podcast uh, between myself, Raf Houston of Faces and Feels, and the lovely ladies from See You Next Week in Space. What up? Hello, I'm Sarah, and I should throw it to Amy before I do my bit. I, I promised a bit, and I will do it, but first I just should say, I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister, Amy Walsh. Amy. Yes, thank you. We, we, we'll get that someday. Um, and here is the bit. In this corner, weighing in at 185 pounds and hailing from the great state of New Jersey, we have, I'm actually, neither of us are from New Jersey, just little there. Uh, Massachusetts <laughs> is too hard to say. Um, we have the Walshified Rebel. That went terribly. I'm sorry, guys. I had such a plan. And the no. plan... I like where you're going with this. I like where you're going with this. Uh, the plan ultimately needs to get us to this point, which is, let's get ready to rumble! And then... See, you could have let me know all of this. I could have had music cues ready and things like that. We can go back. We can start this whole thing again. I mean, but then Amy and I's... Perhaps 10 listeners really would miss out on the, like, uh, authenticity of the See You Next Week in Space show, which is always me starting with some sort of sound clip, but, like, a sound clip that I am attempting to do with my own voice. (laughs) Um, It would miss out on all the awkwardness and the ill-preparedness. Right, just just that that awkward uh, tension that flows through the podcast. (laughs) It's what everybody's trying to hear. It's a major theme of our podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we uh, know each other relatively well. It's my first time meeting Amy, but uh, Sarah, the partner of my very goodest friend, James, and she is currently in the United States, as is Amy. And uh, when hearing their podcast, I really enjoyed it. I lo- they kind of break down sci-fi movies and stuff like that, much to Sarah's delight and sometimes Amy's <laughs> disgust. And I, it made me think of, of my favorite I can't, one. I can't lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole premise of the show is that I like things and Amy hates them. Uh, so she's signed on to a bit of a... Sisyphean kind of labor of love. I mean, I don't, I don't hate things. That makes me sound like a real downer, but I hate specifically sci-fi. Correct. <laughs> well, once right. I heard it, the first thing I thought of was like uh, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid, which crossed over between both things that, that I love, which is wrestling. Uh, and when I was younger, I used to really be into sci-fi and stuff as well. I like all kind of fantasy and, and sci-fi and things like that. I wouldn't call myself like a, a sci-fi head or anything, but when I thought of it, I was like, oh, it'd be so fun to talk about that movie. And then I just hit up Sarah and I was like, maybe we should just do like some kind of crossover. That could be pretty funny. Yeah, and I think you chose... A real doozy of a movie. <laughs> Look, I remembered it very uh, differently, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, I mean, but I, okay, that implied that I thought this was bad. And here's like the kind of thesis statement that I will refer- return to throughout today, which is surprisingly 
exactly what I thought, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, like much better, much better executed in many ways than I would have expected. Um, but as usual, Amy usually is the one who tells us what movie we're talking about. So Amy, why don't you say the name of the movie we're talking about today? Okay, well, because I keep saying it wrong in my head, so hopefully I'll say it right. Um, today we're talking about the 19 1991 classic, Suburban Commando. How um, are you saying it wrong in your head? In my head, I keep wanting to call it Super Commando, or like that's what I kept <sighs> looking up when I and I was like, I can't find this movie. I don't know what's going that on. That sounds like a cool film. Is that why you bought it <laughs> twice, Amy? Because you you bought Super Commando and uh, Suburban Commando. Yeah, I bought both different movies, and I'm like, this is weird. They're totally different. Um, and even in the movie, he does say at one point, he's like, oh, I hate suburbia. And I feel he like does. that's how they came up with that name. They were like, well, he's in suburbia, so. Here we go. But, yes, that's what we're watching, or what we watched. Yeah, and wait, Amy, was it you who were telling me that when you were doing a bit of Googling about this movie that – in an original iteration, it was supposed to feature Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Yeah, I read that somewhere. I don't know how accurate it is. I think I saw that on Wikipedia, but it said it was originally, I'm not sure that they were like cast or anything, but it was originally imagined for them. But instead, they did the movie Twins. <laughs> yes. Because um, I, I only asked that because Schwarzenegger was in a movie called Commando already by this point. Uh -huh. So that's like perhaps maybe... Uh, part of the inspiration for maybe maybe what they were thinking title. as well. They're like, oh, you know, you could you could definitely swap out those two roles and have nothing different, really. I mean, I was saying, I think I can a hundred percent see. I mean, Schwarzenegger super easy, and even Devito in place of Christopher Lloyd, I could I could picture. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Devito would bring. DeVito would bring a different energy to whatever yes. it was, but it would work the same way in terms yes. of like opposite guys teaching each other life lessons. <laughs> yeah. And I would say what this movie likes to do or what I noticed is it likes gags. So I think they could have done good gags with the, the height differential if it had been D Danny DeVito. Um, yeah, there wasn't enough of Hulkinator picking up Christopher Lloyd. I would have liked to see well, more of that. The they, he picked up the yes. kids. That was like their way of getting that in there. Like, we got we got to shoehorn this in somewhere where we can fit it in. <laughs> I got I to say, like, uh, okay. I remembered it like having, I don't know, like when you're a kid and stuff, I remembered it A, being hilarious, and B, I remembered it sort of being, I don't know, um, like right? a honey. It I, still is. Oh, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> It, well, maybe not in the way my child eyes saw it back back then, you know. But like, I I remembered it like, I don't know, like uh, the family movies of that kind of era. Like, I remember like a yeah. Honey I Shrunk the Kids or or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember like bonding between Hulk and the the kid. And maybe that was me just projecting. Like, I wish my best friend was Hulk Hogan, this you know superhero. <laughs> but that's not really what happened. He barely even talks to the kid, really. That's a he carries no, him into a room one time. And, very much. No, yeah. there were whole sections where I forgot they had children. Yeah. Um, because they maybe show up for a total of 
eight and a half minutes in the whole and when and when the guy when the guy well the male kid shows up he mostly shows up with a pack of other kids so i don't even know which one he is like i'm like and what is happening and then the girl says like ooh la la one time (laughs) and then like that's about the only time you see her as well they are strictly there for the one gag where hulk walks in with both of them by the scruff that is the only reason they, this particular couple has children. I think that's 100%. pretty they just, they just shoehorned <laughs> yeah. them straight in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so maybe that's a good transition into talking a bit about, like, who is actually in this movie mm-hmm. and what's going on. So um, for those of you who haven't listened to Amy and I's show, See You Next Week in Space, we usually start by talking about the different cast members just to kind of, like, ease us into – thinking about or for your purposes as the listener since indeed this is not a visual medium um it might help you to kind of put yourself into the worldscape of the movie we talk about so um obviously we've already mentioned numerous times that hulk hogan is the featured player in this movie um but he is and we'll get to him shortly but um he is surrounded by a surprisingly strong cast. Um, and that's where I go back to surprisingly exactly what I thought. <laughs> so, and like truly, when I was watching, I see Christopher Lloyd mentioned. I was like, what? And then Shelley Duvall after that. And then I really was like, what the fuck's happening? I've never heard of this movie. Um, And there are indeed others who kind of come along who are of note. So I'll start by talking about the, I mean, so if Hulk is the main character, then the kind of his uh, foil is a character named Charlie Wilcox, um, who was played by Christopher Lloyd, who was 53 when this movie came out. Um, Now, I should also say that, Throughout this movie, I didn't know anyone's name. No. So in my notes and in my mind, every time Christopher Lloyd was on the screen, I kept calling him Doc Brown. Yes, of course. And he acted a little like that too. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's his go-to really, isn't so, it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so uh, anyway, uh, Christopher Lloyd, by the time we get to 1991, he 100% already was Doc Brown. He would have been totally recognizable as Doc Brown. Um, His earlier career, he actually um, starts primarily in the theater world um, and doesn't kind of transition into movies until the mid-70s. And in fact, his first movie role is as one of the inmates in the uh, asylum in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from 1975 uh, with Jack Nicholson as the main character. I recently watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's rough. <laughs> it is rough, but he's good in it. He's good. And it's weird to know, like, going back now to realize that was his first movie is so weird because I saw him in that movie and I was like, of course they've got Christopher Lloyd. He's the weird guy. Um, so he's, and then after that, he's in Back to the Future and in Clue. Um, he's in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, really? I also recently watched Clue, and he's great in that, too. Yeah. Oh, no, he's excellent in Clue, for sure. Yeah. Um, I also think he's excellent in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, he's and scary in, in fact, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, yeah. And <laughs> this, and so this, And then <laughs> in the same year that Suburban Commando comes out is also the same year that he uh, does the role of Fester 
in the first Adams family. Oh, okay. um, also a good movie. So good in that too. <laughs> yeah, no, he's excellent. Uh, he's weird, seemingly. Yeah. Um, but I do think, like, based on then, like, the rest of his credits after this is kind of his peak time as an yeah. actor. Is this like late eighties, early nineties window of time? Yeah. Um, his wife, Jenny Wilcox, um, who I kept referring to as Wendy um, because of The Shining, uh, was played by Shelley Duvall, who was 42 at the time of release. Um, she is one of these people who is really annoying to read about because she was discovered by talent sc- scouts at a local party in her hometown oh, yeah. in Texas. Okay. Um, what? And that was it. Yeah, it doesn't say much more than, I mean, I also, it's weird sometimes to remember that celebrity and people's like pathways to it were just as arbitrary and weird as they are now. It's just, there just wasn't YouTube. Like there were other things that were equally as casual, um, but they were just more face to face, but they, it still was like, here's some person I found. They are very attractive. Maybe put them in a movie. Um, and that seems to be her thing. And like what? These talent scouts were just like going to kids' parties, being like, oh, that's a cute kid. That's really weird. Yeah, that is weird. Um, I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm well, that wasn't exactly how it went down, but it sounds suspect. Well, now I'm forgetting because Amy didn't. Oh, it was the woman who voices uh, Jane Jetson that we talked about last week. Um, she was somebody else where she just went to like a local con local talent contest and Bing Crosby was there and he was like, come to Hollywood. <laughs> like, yeah, um, Bing Crosby just like hanging out at local talent shows. <laughs> well, I think we know that it wasn't good what he was doing. Like he was there for not good reasons. Yeah, presumably. Okay. Well, first of all, he's not here to defend himself. Yeah, I'll, I'll be accusing <laughs> Bing Crosby <laughs> of, I mean, of predatory behavior. Is that what you're saying? Good. Shots, shots fired at Bing Crosby. <laughs> Bing's like, can... what up? <laughs> I mean, he's a big deal. I think he can handle me saying he might have been interested in 17-year-old girls in the 1940s. I think oh. it's okay. Well, I think he's not dead. Anyway, whatever. He might Surely Bing Crosby's um, long dead. I don't care enough to look it up, but yeah. you'd have to um, think so. But basically, so that discovery happens like – late 60s, early 70s, and The Shining is in 1980. So she has this kind of very quick rise. Um, And after The Shining, she's in Popeye with Robin Williams, which I had kind of forgotten existed as a movie. Um, Hmm. She's also in this movie that really, when I saw the name of it, I remembered this very painful moment of childhood, Time Bandits. It's a Terry Gilliam, very weird movie. Um, Sounds familiar. And so... By so, and in fact, over the course of the 1980s, um, what she already had kind of decided she wasn't as interested in acting as she was in producing and directing, which she did for Amy and I, one of our favorite things. What did she do, Amy? Oh, the best fairy tale theater. It's so I know, but I loved it. It's really good. I have no Um, idea what this is. This is probably Mm. something that maybe didn't across the Pacific, um, it was like, I learned from my research that this was actually, it would have been on like a premium station in the 1980s, but you could also get it as a VHS. And that's how Amy and I saw it. And it's these like um, 
hour longish uh, high production value renderings of fairy tales. So like, um, and but since it had it's all like famous people in it, like, yeah. and we didn't necessarily know that at the time, but it wasn't just like uh, random pe- people. It was right. like people who were famous at that time. Right. That adults would recognize, right, maybe not right. kids. But. Yeah. Like, so the Cinderella one I'm remembering had the girl from Flashdance, whose name I can't remember right now, and Matthew Broderick as oh. like the main players. Right, Amy? That sounds right. That sounds right. Her name is something Beale, isn't it? Jennifer Beale. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it was like this kind of. I, I actually wish someone would do it now. It's a really good idea where like every episode is just one story and you have these high-end Hollywood actors do it. And they're meant to be kind of funnier and, and more just doing like what, like traditional fairy tales and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, so well, the first one, for that, really. yeah, the first one has Robin Williams doing the frog prince. So he's the frog prince. So anyway, um, and for those of you who maybe are familiar with this, I'm pretty sure that, Shelley Duvall is not doing great at this point. She officially retires from acting in anything kind of like showbiz related in 2002. And ever since then, I've heard like increasing kind of whispers that her mental health might be deteriorating. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's also, of course, the many rumors related to how she like did not do well under Kubrick's direction during The Shining. Um, he like abused her. It sounds yeah. like from yeah. what. Oh no! And, yeah. Well, he wanted he wanted her to like actually be terrified, so he right. did to like, um, like sensory deprivation type of stuff oh, and no. making her do. Yeah, and I like making them do crazy amount of takes of like right. really emotional. Well, I think that take where it's like Jack Nicholson coming through the bathroom door might still be the scene that has the most takes of anything. It's like over a hundred takes she had to do. It's a of lot that. of doors. Yes, <laughs> they got the money for the doors. That's what the door guys kids through college. <laughs> yeah, um, seriously. Yeah. So then the other two, the kind of last few, these are the main characters we need to care about, but there are still some people who kind of round out the world. Um, There is the shitty boss named Adrian Belts, played by Larry Murray, who was 38 when this movie came out. He's always Um, that guy, right? Like, I feel like everything I've ever seen him in, he's always that, and it's always great. Yeah. 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 I wrote his name. His name was Shitty Boss in my notes. Same. Yeah. Um, he, and the thing I especially remembered him from was all the Christopher Guest mockumentaries. He's one of those actors who kind of repeatedly shows up in those. He's the one, um, in Best in Show where Catherine O'Hara has like, like an old (laughs) fling guy and he's like the sound technician man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that guy. I love him. I I personally love him in 10 Things I Hate About You as the asshole dad. Yes. Um, I mean, the asshole dad, but he's trying his best because his wife's yeah. dead. Like, what do you expect? He's just super strict. Um, yeah. yeah. So he's there in a kind of supporting capacity. The other guy who makes some kind of colorful uh, appearances is a character named uh, Colonel Dust- Dustin Dusty McCowell. Uh, who's played by an actor named Jack Elam, who was 71. And the reason I wanted to make sure I set, mentioned him is because Amy and I have actually seen this actor when he was at least 40 years younger. Oh, really? 
Uh, what do you mean yeah, see him? Like in a play in, or something? Yeah, he <laughs> appeared in an episode of The Twilight Zone we've done on the podcast. Um, and he's quite recognizable. It's harder to tell when he's older, but like part of why he his whole thing in the Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode, why he was there is because he has um, at least one lazy eye, but like his eyes are the opposite of cross-eyed. Like they both go out to the side oh, okay. of the face. Um, so he looks quite unusual. So that's why he was in the Twilight Zone. And I he actually was able to make- movie. Yeah, you don't, as he gets older, it's right. a little less noticeable, I think. And he's like beardy and he's wearing that hat. I only- notice it because I noticed that name in the credits the second time around watching it and then I saw him and I and I was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah so he's one of our personal favorites here at see you next week in space oh twinkles here yeah she was she was stunning fuck with me so I had to I had to get her up she was wanting attention uh for those of you Um, that don't listen to my podcast it is my uh, Maltese dog that keeps running in and making lots of noise when I'm trying to do stuff oh oh my Gosh, I know some cuteness. Yeah, I, I well, knew you I'll would post love a picture on the Instagram. <laughs> oh my god, I love exactly. That. Anyway, I'm do- Twinkle has yet again derailed the podcast. The amount of times I've had to just like <laughs> drop the mic and chase her around the room and stuff, I just leave it in because uh, it's her personality. Um, so, the final person this is a good kind of transitional moment where I'll throw mostly to you, Rafe. The final character of note here is less of note in terms of the story and more for the backstory of what's happening here. Um, one of the bounty hunters we will encounter in this movie is named Hutch, which again, not a name I picked up as a result of the film. Um, and it's played by a guy who is credited as Mark Calloway, uh, who is 26, but who in the world of wrestling, I think already by this time was going by the undertaker as his, professional moniker is that true correct. or has he not yeah. gotten there no yet? no that that's correct so he's the undertaker at this point and what's actually interesting about this sorry dog uh what's actually interesting about this is that in this time in wrestling uh what's called kayfabe is, is very protected do you guys know what that term means so not a bit so what that is is like uh the the gimmicks and fakeness of wrestling being protected so I'm going to do a terrible job explaining it, but basically, so the Undertaker's the Undertaker to the fans. So in real life, he is a big dead grave digger, and that's what he is. So the fans can't see uh, him as so, Mark Calloway. So, you, so Mark Calloway doesn't exist. Mark Calloway doesn't exist. Only the Undertaker exists. So like when he appears in public, he appears in public as the Undertaker. You know, so he keeps his head down. He's you know uh, gets around like you know, as a normal guy and stuff. But as far as, like, the WWF audience is concerned, The Undertaker is real and the magic surrounding him is real. The same as, like, the Iron Sheik is really like a, you know, the Iron Sheik, the, um, the uh, I'm thinking, Sergeant Slaughter is really like an Iraqi sympathiser and people are, like, throwing batteries at him in the street and stuff like that. You know, it's all supposed to be real. Hulk is an American hero, all this kind of stuff. It Back then, before... Uh, the business was all like exposed. He was real, so it was okay. it was super interesting to me that he was like allowed to do this because there's mm, the potential okay. for people to be like, but that's the Undertaker. Like, what's he doing there and seeing his real and, name and stuff? And so, in terms of this movie, like, because also I did watch this 
uh, WrestleMania interaction between Hulk and Undertaker that happened this same year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's all made up and he's got a particular outfit on. So, like, would he have been recognizable to fans in this as the Undertaker, even if he wasn't in his whole makeup and whole jazz? Um, I mean, I think so. I, I, I can tell okay. who he is, but, I mean, he's still, you know... Because, I mean, what I determined when I was looking at his uh, IMDb credits, from what I remember... This movie comes very early on in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only, it se- if I remember correctly, it seemed like there was maybe only a handful of even wrestling credits before this. And I'm not, sh- and I'm not sure that he actually even was appearing as The Undertaker at first. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, he had been around for a year as The Undertaker. Okay. Um, I mean, that to me, I don't know enough about how it works, but a year seems like a, he would be still a little baby no, wrestler. No, so the, no? Uh, the Undertaker debuted as like a force kind of thing. He came oh, in okay. and he's just beaten everybody. Like, okay. uh, I'm pretty sure undefeated at that point. Like when it came through, like walking in very slow, looking menacing, beating people very easily, that kind of thing. Like he was like a big monster. And he, and he okay. had, like, his little helper, Paul Bearer, who had, like, a real high-pitched voice and would carry around, like, a magical urn being like, yes, and, like, giving him power and stuff. So it was, like, the height of cheesy gimmicks, right? But so... This is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so that's <laughs> so what it was. So so for for the, the uh, listeners that have maybe come here for the wrestling uh, aspect of this, I will say that around this time I was curious as to if Hulk was currently the champion, uh, because he has been the champion many times, like in his career, obviously, because he's Hulk Hogan. But he had actually lost it kind of prior to this. So there was a famous match between um. him and the Ultimate Warrior, which was a title for title match. So the Ultimate Warrior, again, undefeated, running real fast, doing like, you know, crazy. These ones, <laughs> people who uh, know who the Ultimate Warriors will know that what they mean, raising the roof. <laughs> kind of thing, Uh, Um, and he was the Intercontinental Champion, and they had a big WrestleMania match against each other, Um, and Ultimate Warrior won that, which is a big defeat for Hulk, Uh, and then he was the double champion. But Undertaker, um, sorry, but then uh, Ultimate Warrior would go on to lose it um, at the Royal Rumble of January 91 to Iraqi sympathizing Sergeant Slaughter uh, due to the Macho King's interference, Okay. This led to the Royal Rumble winner, Hulk Hogan, immediately challenging Slaughter for the belt like to WrestleMania that year. So March 24th, 91. So when this movie was released, Hulk was currently the champion. So he was like yeah. hold, holding it through this. And so they would have probably wanted to put the belt back on him for this. So it's like... Part well, of the... Yeah, yeah the all the promo the and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's like Hulk Hogan champions movie is coming out and blah, blah, blah. And they could promo it and do that. But yeah. But then that would go on to have a little bit of controversy just after that, uh, after this movie is released. And I can go straight into that or we can save it. Yeah, so I know literally zero about wrestling. And, like, if I ask the question that's in my head right now, probably, like, everybody who's here as a wrestling fan would, like, turn it off and scream or, like, throw something. (laughs) So my first Yeah, you've got to ask the question. Now now you've got to. (laughs) So just to like, just that I'm, so I'm like perfectly clear on like the whole idea. Okay. <laughs> because like, with it. 
We're like, we're going like elementary here. Yeah. So it's all fake, right? Like, so when you say that he's the champion, someone, they've choreographed these fights and they've choreographed it so that he wins. Absolutely. Not- yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's all booking. It's, it's basically what they kind of like to say is that wrestling is real, but it's predetermined. And so what they mean by yeah. that is they definitely kind of plan out what they want to do. They'll definitely plan out what they call high spots, so, uh, you know, exciting points of the match and things like that. Um, some mm-hmm. of them will be... I mean, it's physically taxing. Well, that, it's still... that, that's the thing. Oh, it's yeah. like... I mean, I'm not... Yeah, yeah. And so, and so what they'll do is they will basically uh, kind of plan out what they want to do. Sometimes that'll be more heavily choreographed or they'll just call it in the ring. A lot more experienced guys will just literally talk in the ring and do it as they go kind of thing and oh, work it out. They know where they want to get to and they know kind of what their, their finishing sequence will be, but they'll just like play out the match. Like, and there's been some very mm-hmm. famous ones that have kind of happened that way. Um, okay. I am not a wrestler, so I don't know the real ins and outs of it, but essentially there's a booking committee or a booker in this case uh, in WWF. It would be Vince McMahon. Uh, maybe with the help of of his right hand man uh, Pat Patterson, R.I.P. He just recently passed away, uh, and and yeah, just kind of working out and planning out their year and what they want to happen. But they can they really will react to what the fans are are doing. They'll change things on the fly, and just kind of like book it week by week. You know, they have a rough skeleton, but yeah. usually they'll just just wing it. Yeah. And see That's how it so goes. interesting. It's it's such it's a wild. like interesting art form, and it's why I kind of like it. Like, it's not just for me about like I think I think when I was a kid and I watched it, right? It was about it's Stone Cold, and it was like all the right. you know all the <laughs> drama and stuff. And I think I I thought it was real, but I knew there was a bit of the thing. Now when I analyze it and watch it and stuff like that, it's really I think the mechanics of it like how it all works it's so interesting and like the the personalities that will do this because in order to do it like you really need to be like a a venn diagram of so many talents like to yeah, to do one very have well to be like an athletic actor stuntman yeah. like, like but also <laughs> yeah, quite it's, like it's crazy, right? self-start like a self-starting entrepreneur too because you have to like yeah. come up with your character, right? Like, or at yeah. least that's part of it, right? Well, so you in have the to, bigger ones, they'll definitely actor. get issued stuff. But when they're trying to make their name and things like that, they're really just doing whatever is needed of them wherever, you know? Right. And and the independent wrestlers and stuff I follow now that are essentially like a band, you know? Sell right. shirts themselves, rock up on different shows, do things, have created their own character and image and stuff. It's really very impressive how you could... Yeah kind of invent this entire other personality from scratch and then also maintain, you know, all the physical demands that's necessary for it and and everything like that. It's like pretty wild. Hey. Um, I mean, I actually feel like also this is because I've watched like both the documentary glow and the show glow. Like I'm almost (laughs) more, I'm like more interested in that background, like backstage stuff than I am in the wrestling itself right like to me that's the more interesting stuff is like all what you've got to do to then walk out and do like how long is a match like five or ten minutes maybe like can can be um, up to an hour like depending on on what it is and what you're doing like some of the really more impressive ones breaks during that aren't (laughs) 
<laughs> no, there's no breaks. That's shocking. I, well, I yes, not that I ever thought this of myself, but I am not in that Venn diagram of the people no. who could do these. Like if if I jump backwards onto the ground now and land on my my back, that's not going to feel great. Like they have to learn right. how to do that and be able to to take those hits and stuff. So so yeah, yeah. I guess rounding up the kind of whole thing is it, it, the physical tax. Uh, like the physical uh, demands of it are very, very real. But if you've ever watched like a boring MMA fight or a boxing fight, they can go on pretty long and sometimes they're not that exciting. Like you're just rolling around on right. the ground doing nothing. I way more yeah. uh, prefer the, you know, entrance music and the flashing lights and the, the drama and you slept with my wife and all the kind of like uh, crazy stuff that goes along with it. Uh, and then yeah. exciting fights with sometimes flips, sometimes... You know, things like that. So I think that, for me, is really what makes it so interesting to me. It's just such a yeah. a crazy thing that it even exists, right? Like, yeah. and, and that it can be so huge, like, in America and, and so much money. It's kind of even crazier that I even know what it is or care about it or travel to see it because I live in Perth, Western Australia. But, you know, yeah. we all like our, our yeah. weird stuff. I mean, and this, <laughs> I think it does then make sense that there are – like it would, it seems obvious as a, like a proving ground of like, if this guy or even this woman is really popular in wrestling, then maybe they can be an actual actor, right? Yes. Like, yes. Um, because there is so much that is there already, particularly, it seems like it would be a pretty obvious, like action star, this person. So like yeah. now we have Dwayne, the rock Johnson, who is, fully like probably I would to me he's like the multiple generations of people like this like Hulk is one maybe the one of the first it was definitely the to first. be like yeah okay we've got this guy he's pretty likable he certainly sells a character um so maybe we can turn this guy into a movie star Right. Yeah. Um, because he has this following that people love him. He like I think I saw when I was Googling about that WrestleMania that he and Undertaker are in. Um, it's one of the most watched. I think it's probably the most watched, like the most eyes on it. Uh, and this is only figures based in the United States that there is for a WrestleMania until like 25 years later. Um, so it's because it's also right now, like I should also say, and this I think you could probably contextualize a bit better, Rafe. Like Amy and I were talking about this earlier. This is this moment where wrestling is at a, a really big high crest uh, for the United States where everyone knows who Hulk Hogan is. Um, even if you do not care anything about wrestling, um, you know who this guy is, yeah. right? And, so he's starting to, and it's like, like his hottest angle there. ever. So, like, like where I briefly said how uh, Sergeant Slaughter won that belt in uh, January at the Royal Rumble, and then Hulk things him. That's where Sergeant Slaughter was like this American hero, but he turns on America and is like burning flags off camera and stuff, and is like, I'm with you know uh, the Afghanistan, <laughs> like you know uh, what's um. Saddam Hussein and all that like he's about it and er, like the American fans are just like 
this is real, this guy's a traitor. And then in comes yeah. Hulk, like, dan, 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 and he's got, like, the American flag and stuff, and everyone's like, come on, Hulk! And so it's, like, really the most rabbit it's ever been. I'm making your own sound effects. For yeah, you know, I could have I could have queued it up there, <laughs> but that's where we're at. And and so it's, it's like, really the most, like, I think probably uh, fevered the fans had been about him. And then... So just when this, uh, when he wins that, like at WrestleMania from Sergeant Slaughter, he's he's defeated the invaders. You know what I mean? Like he's like the American hero, and then the movie comes out. So people are like, you see footage of Hulk like riding a motorbike into a crowd, and all like the kids flocking around him and stuff. Like he was like the coolest he had ever been. So yeah, yeah it, it was yeah. like a big deal. And so for him to release this, even though I think it said like it wasn't like a box office success, I could definitely see that like paying dividends like for WWF at the time. Yeah. And I think like it's, so it's interesting too, because we're in this interesting moment, like starting as the studio system in the U S crumbles in the 1960s, there's a really long period of trying to figure out how do we find movie stars? And like, are there, are there feeder kinds of, uh, industries that we can like look to uh, to create our new crop of movie stars. So this is like the tail end of this searching period. Uh, They're the, like, guys, the Bing's office. out. Bing is out. <laughs> we, we need to look <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> He's done all he can do. The heat's getting too real. We need to look at the WWF. We need to look at sports. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I so mean, it they're, is. They're, they're already acting, like we said, like it is. I was going to say, like, the Hulk's acting in this movie doesn't bother me. I mean, it, he's acting like himself, but mm. it doesn't bother me when I think of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, his acting. While both of them, their acting is <laughs> very, very performative, and it's not like I would see them in, like, a movie where they're, like, having to do, like, a super earnest type of scene. Mm-hmm. They're really good at the stuff they're in. Well, they're, and, they're like, like, improv artists, right? That's the other thing. Like, yeah. when it comes to, like, what they call, like, wrestling promos, like, you've probably seen before, like, it's, like, tight camera on Hulk Hogan announces they're like, hey, Hulkster, what happened? He's like, well, you know, brother, when I'm eating vitamins and I'm doing things. <laughs> like, he's just riffing that off the top of his head, you know? Like, there isn't yeah. a script. Yeah. Now in WWE, there is scripts, probably to the detriment of the performers because these guys have come up through the independence and stuff, making up their own stuff, and then suddenly now they've got like a 30-page document to look through, and it's why yeah. you're going to get me into why I don't currently watch WWE, but like um, <laughs> it, I, I prefer that sort of off-the-cuff emotional feel. Like I like when you can look in the, yeah. the eyes of the performer and it's like, he believes this. As stupid as this rivalry is, he believes it, right? And whenever you yeah. looked at the Hulkster, he believed what he was saying, you know? like And, and yeah. so that's kind of what, what they do do with that acting like with the over the topness and stuff like that it's come from that and then now I need to kind of work within a script and work within those guidelines I kind of felt like Hulkster was maybe riffing a few of his lines like because they were pretty hammy like yeah but interesting like so okay I'm just going to talk a little bit about who he is in this movie so he's playing a character named Shep Ramsey which is a, a very earthy name I have questions <laughs> there are no it's answers it's a pretty earthy name for a guy who's supposedly from space. Um, he was 38 uh, when this came out. So I think actually probably at least one or maybe both of his kids that we know are born at this point. And I, th- I, 
in that sense, he kind of reminds me a bit of Arnold Schwarzenegger too, who like will like to do a family movie because his kids can watch it, you know, like, so that also seems like a bit of a resonance here. And then also, um, it seemed like he was trying to make his inroads in the movies pretty early because he also appears in Rocky three years before this, Hmm. um, where, and that also looked like it was relatively early in his wrestling career too. Um, so it's like, it seems in a sense to me, I got the impression that like, he's clearly made a name for himself in WWF and he wants to leverage that into this next phase of his career because as well, I have to assume by 38, your body's really beaten up. Yep. And, um, and, and looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, body, he does, yeah. but Hulkster's like known for having like lower back issues and stuff because he's finishes like the big leg drop, right? So what he would do, he'd boot oh. someone in the face, give him one of these, in the thing, and then he'd run yeah. to the ropes and then he'd jump and then like two yeah. seated position, I know leg exactly over the move you're talking jump, about. Everyone's seen but a million times. So. Doesn't he, when he falls off the skateboard, he does a full back flop. Like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so but he's, Rafe is talking like where this is how, what I mean by like how wrestling had like permeated just like wherever you're talking about where he's got like his elbow kind of crooked like this, his, his legs make like a little number four and then he smashes down. Yes, right? correct. Is that what you're and so he's about? two yeah. seated position and his leg goes across like their neck. And then, yeah. then it's over, brother, when he does that. But what you're saying yeah. right now is actually a great segue to talk about wrestling politics and what happened just after this. So okay, you would cool. think you would think that a bunch of like super juiced up alpha males uh, who are, are working for a company that pays them really high exorbitant amounts of money would get on super well backstage, right? And there'd be no drama or egos. <laughs> Like about who's the champion and what's going on. Well, I don't know. You think that'll be professional and stuff. I was kind of picturing. I was picturing them being like, "Well, I'm going to kill you," and like drop kicking them in the face, and then going backstage and being like, "You want to get a beer?" I don't know. Like, that's that's definitely what they do. But then the machinations that go on behind the scenes get pretty catty. So let me just break Uh, down one for you because it's super super relevant to this because the Undertaker's in this movie. This is the main event that Sarah just watched uh, leading up to it. So after this movie is released in October, in November is Survivor Series 91, and it's The Undertaker's first uh, match for a title, right? And Hulk Hogan is the champion. I was going to say, and at this point, Hulk has just gotten the title from WrestleMania. So, So he got it back in April, yep, and he's holding it all through this movie. The movie's come out in October, and now it's November. It's time for Survivor Series, and it's time for basically the Undertaker, who has been pretty much unstoppable, to verse the champion and to beat him, yeah, and then have his <laughs> turn with the belt, okay? Um, Undertaker has never, like, with that kayfabe thing, he has never done interviews or podcasts or anything like that out of character until now. So he has now retired, or at least semi kind of retired, and now Mark Calloway is starting to do interviews and things like that and talk about You mean stuff. like now, now in 2020? Now, now as started. in like just as of last year. Like, okay. So for the first time in his career, he'd never done interviews that he wasn't like, rest in peace or whatever. Like he, <laughs> like nobody knows so who Mark Calloway the dude is, right? Like, so wow. 
And it turns out his actual voice is like, hey, guys, it's really cool to see you. It's kind of very yeah. Southern, actually. He's like, yeah, man, you know, when I was down, like that sort of thing. I'm doing a terrible oh God, song. I'm so sorry if funny. I ever... It would be a dream to interview Mark Calloway, and if he uh, ever heard that, I think I, I'd, I'd be mortified. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, so, so the first thing you need to know is that uh, the Undertaker called this the worst movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then, secondly, he also believes that, like, so his very first title reign that he was going to win uh, against Hulk at this event was cut drastically short due to the political workings of one Hulkster Hogan. Yeah. So the way he tells it is that, like, he rocks up at the venue at Survivor Series at, like, midday. So all the dudes rock up at about midday. The event's going to happen at night. Hulkster's the champ. That's not how it rolls. He'll, like, roll in at, like, four or five, like, what's going on, brother? And then, like, just go on kind of thing, you know? Go to his hotel room, drink beer, whatever. He didn't say his uh, recognizable brother very much in this movie, which no, is not, didn't, which is surprising to me. I thought there'd be a lot more. I thought like at the end, uh, or oh, let's not spoil anything, but I thought there'd definitely be a thanks <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah, so anyway, um, so he rocks up, uh, but Hogan's like already there. And he's like, oh, that's kind of weird that Hulk's here. He's like, you know, the champ and he's very important. He's not normally here. That's weird. And, and he immediately like pulls take her aside and is just like, hey, brother, I'm uh, pretty like nervous about taking your finisher. His move is the Tombstone pile driver. So what will happen is uh, if they were facing each other, Undertaker would pick him up, uh, holding him oh. upside down against himself. So his head is like between his legs and then drop to his knees, essentially pile driving his opponent's head into the mat, right? But he holds yes. them very tight. There was He's, a modified version of that in the WrestleMania clip that I watched. Yes, yes. So he How do you not break your neck when you do that. Well, that's carefully. They, they hold them very tight, and their head doesn't actually touch the mat. Is what it is. Oh, and so okay. Hulk's like, you know, I've been having some neck issues, and I'm really worried about this kind of match, brother, brother. And he's like, look, there's no way I'm dropping you. I'm a lot taller than you. I am. Very fit. I'll take care of you. I've never hurt anybody and I never will kind of thing. And he's like, okay, you know, and he's like, this is weird. Like he doesn't normally carry on about this stuff. And then through all throughout the rest of the day leading up to the event, he's always like, whenever he sees him in the hallway, he's like, the neck, watch out kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, all right, man, I, I've got you kind of thing. So then he, they have the match. He scoops him up for the pile driver and he's like, dude, I had him locked. Like, I had him so tight, there was no way he was going to hit the mat and I was going to make sure he was well off. When you watch the clip, it's actually like the worst tombstone pile driver he's ever done. The Hulk, Hulk's like 30 centimetres away from the mat. Like, it looks terrible. It doesn't even look real at all, but he's so like nervous, right? He's he's 25, Hulk's like the, the biggest star in, in wrestling and he doesn't want to hurt him. The moment he does it, he just says, oh, you got me, brother. And he's like, oh, no, I've killed Hulk. Like, And Hulk's like groaning and stuff, and so he pins him. Then he's got to like do his you know, heel stuff, the Paul Bearer say, oh, and then like, you know, being evil and getting the title and stuff. And then he, he gets backstage and he's like, where's Hulk? And then I was like, oh, man, he's he's not, not in a good way. He's laying on the floor of Vince's office, and he's like, oh, no, I've really hurt him kind of thing. And he goes to go in and check on him, but as he goes in, uh, the paramedics come. And then because of that kayfabe thing I told you guys earlier, he hides behind like a wall because they can't see like just the Undertaker checking on Hulk, you know? Like 
Their fans, potentially. They can't know. So he hides, and he's there with Vince's son, Shane McMahon. And he's like, man, I can't believe I heard him. And Shane's like, dude, I saw that match. Like, he was nowhere near the ground. There's no way. And he can hear Hulk on the ground. He's like, oh. He's like, get my wife and kids on the phone and stuff. Like, really hamming it up like he's been hurt kind of thing. And so Undertaker's like, Jesus Christ, I've killed wrestling. This is fucked. Uh, And so (laughs) at that time, they can't immediately – like play it back like you can now. They've got to wait a couple of days for it to be mixed and mastered and stuff. He has to go on and defend the title in the next house show or whatever. So he's got to go get get a plane and do the next thing. And so he can't speak to Hulk about it and he's really worried. Days go past and he's talking to other wrestlers and stuff and they're like, dude, there's no way. Like, <laughs> I, I, I seen that. Like, you didn't even touch him. Like, I can't. It was the worst one you've ever done. Like, there's no way. And then he sees the footage and he's like, man, this is a, is this a joke? <laughs> like, this is like, this is nowhere near it. And so then he's like, I need to confront this guy back because he's obviously talking to Vince. He's talking to people. Oh, brother, I'm hurt, blah, blah, blah. He's not safe. And basically kind of making it look like this young gun, this hot up and comer may not be safe. And maybe it's not the best idea to have like the most prestigious championship in the world on, on a guy that's not that risky. You know who's safe and never hurt anybody? The Hulkster. That's who. Yeah. And you know who else is trying to make a go of acting and wants to get the most money possible and things like that? It's the Hulkster. So maybe you should just get it back six days later at their next event. And so that's that's what it's leading up to. So six days later they have an event called Tuesday in Texas. Undertaker was supposed to be holding on to it. At least he was. He never told he was going to lose it. And then he's told you're going to drop it back to Hulk now, six days later. So he's like, I have to go talk to this guy, right? Like I – I know I, I'm young in the business. He's obviously like the biggest, biggest famousest dude. But I'm a man and I need to stand up for myself and I'm not going to let people like be saying that I'm unsafe. I take a lot of pride in what I do, yeah? And so he goes sure. and, he, and he's like, Hulk, man, like I, I saw the footage. Like you were nowhere where near the ground. Like you, you didn't hit your head. I, I know you didn't. And then Hulk's like, oh, well, you know, brother, what happened? You had me too tight. He's like, you had me too tight. And then when you dropped, it jarred me and it, it really hurt and blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, all right, man. He's like, okay, I know who you are now. And that is how it's gone. And then, you know, on goes on, Hulk goes off. Undertaker becomes the, you know, leader of the rocket locker room, one of the biggest stars in WWE, uh, you know, and, and a lot of all the wrestlers always refer to him as like the captain, you know. And mm-hmm. he's like, whenever Hulk would come back, he was like, Look, I was always cool with him. I'm always a professional and stuff. And he's like, but I know who he is. Like, and that was just how it how it was. And so it's pretty it's pretty interesting to me that these two were in the same movie together, probably palling it up. And then one month later, he essentially stabbed him in the back and ruined his first chance at a championship. Uh, well, no wonder Undertaker thinks this movie's horrible. Yeah, I know. Well, he <laughs> might he might he might have a little bit of a vendetta yeah. because I mean, of that as well. I don't blame. Terry Hogan for being like, I need to find a way, a new way out of like maintain my fame, maintain celebrity. Mm -hmm. But like, honestly, the way really anybody who's doing any sort of athletics, by the time you're in your late thirties, you are looking for that way out. It's too hard on your body. Um, And he was in a prime position to try and make that jump. Mm -hmm. So like, because the year, so in 1989, he does another terrible movie, perhaps 
more terrible than this one called No Holds Barred. Um, this same, like the year after this one, <laughs> a, um, the year after this one, he attempts a TV series that I have to assume I never watched it and I never have even heard of it. Uh, but I feel like it must be a bit like the A team. He's in Thunder, it's called Thunder in Paradise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, like, it makes total sense that he's trying to, like, yeah. do this other thing. But I think one of the limitations, perhaps, um, of coming out of the wrestling world and then attempting to make that jump, like, I honestly, so far, I would say uh, Dwayne Johnson is probably the the guy who has done it successfully. Yeah, and now, um, now John Cena's sort of getting there a little bit. You're seeing him pop there. up a little bit. Yeah. And he's so well-spoken and things like that. You could definitely yeah. see it working. With All it would take is the right role. Same with oh, Batista right. as well uh, in oh, Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. and then getting yeah. to do Bond and stuff. Those kind of three. Obviously, Rock being like, the biggest movie star in the world he's is the probably, premiere. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. but like future I, what president I, what Dwayne the Rock Johnson. What is interesting about <laughs> all of these guys so far to me is like, do I think Dwayne Johnson is a good actor? I'm not sure if I do because I think he just is a good version of himself and all the stuff yeah. that he does. Yeah. Right, he's just like a um, charming and- personality that's like super huge and very likable. And so whatever he does, you're right, like yeah. sick. It's the Rock, like you know, it's like, gonna yeah. be great. Right. And you get that same energy here from this movie, which is yeah. like he's just like maybe a little bit more of a, a chiller version of the Hulk because like when you do his voice, and it is true, like it sounds like he's actively like clenching when he's like, this is such a tender fucking moment, brother. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, um, hey, Violet, did you do your homework? Your mother's angry. You know, like, yeah. um, he, he, like, tones that down for this. Um, but, like, he's just a guy, and he's just him. And he, even when you watch, like, I used to, this ages me, I used to like Hogan Knows Best. And he's still the same. It's all him, right? Yeah, it's that's like definitely. All, yeah. It's all Terry. It's just, like, when he's Hulk, he's Terry up to 11. Yeah. And... Here, he's Terry at maybe like an 8.5. That's what all right? wrestlers say, right? They're always like, I didn't find my character or who I was until I just found myself at like 11. So Stone Cold is the yeah. same. The Rock is the same. They're all dudes like, and that's what makes them so individual and, and such huge personalities because they're like, oh, this is kind of who I am, but what if I just exaggerated all these things about myself and made, made it like way more over the top? Right. Like the Rock was super arrogant right. with the eyebrow and like constantly talking shit, whereas like, you know, the Hulk was this super intense like prayers, vitamins, like uh, all that kind of, <laughs> kind of stuff. Well, clean, clean American living. Attitude. Exactly right. Until, uh- <laughs> until, and he would never go bad until WCW in 1996 when he became the evil Hollywood Hulk Hogan. So even though he didn't really get to Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, kind of heights, he had been in movies enough to give him a credibility where he's like, hey, I'm a movie star now, and I'm like this bad guy. And he went to the black and white, and uh, and he was like the most reviled villain. So he's been like the most popular, like kind of the highest of good guys and the highest of bad guys in his career. So yeah, he was and, way well, better as a bad guy. I personally thought he was... I'm not sure he Suck. used that range in this movie. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't think he got there yet. That was 96. He had a lot of learning to do. 
Um, but so let's talk maybe a little bit about the movie. And so I have some like, I guess, themes we could discuss, which might help us talk a little bit about the story. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess first I'll just like set up the general premise of the movie or actually Amy, you often do a good job of this. Why don't you explain like what this movie is about? Gen like just in like one or two sentences as best you can. Okay. Well, I will say the quick first thing is that this movie, like many sci-fi movies and like, you know, we might be insinuating about uh, wrestling is it's not very subtle. Um, no. And it goes from like zero to 60 real fast because <laughs> the minute like you, you get the like credits for like a second and then all of a sudden there's like crashing um, isn't it like um straight star wars like yes. laser, pew, laser pew, coming out of an imperial cruiser i yeah, literally wrote laser. down star wars gonna sue somebody um but like so just so, yeah, so okay just so it's immediate lasers yeah premise yeah. of the film okay so what it is basically is <laughs> Um, Hulk is an alien question mark, I guess, who mm -hmm. his job, his alien job is to save places, planets, earth, what, I don't know, save, save different worlds. Look, whatever needs what to be say. done, really. Right. I guess he's just like a, he saves things. He's like, he saves people. And I think like a good way to describe him, particularly because we have bounty hunters in this movie, he's a good bounty hunter type. Okay. Okay. And he does that in space and among other planets, I guess. Um, so he's real tired and stressed out from that job. <laughs> Let's get him down. Be. Yeah. I mean, it sounds stressful. Um, so his, a boss who's a little head man in the sky um, tells him that he needs to take a break. And go Isn't that Earth. a famous actor? Isn't that? He Duvall? was somebody. I recognized the face, but I couldn't figure out Isn't it who like, it was. I'm going to butcher. Is James Duval? I can't remember. Oh. Is that his name? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It was somebody, it was like a name I recognized. Anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so he, so his boss assigns him to go relax on Earth. And, you know, Hulk's response is, I hate Earthlings. So um, he, his little spaceship comes down to Earth and he has to figure out a way to re quote unquote relax on Earth. For six weeks, he has a six-week vacation on Earth, and that's the general premise. Because he's he got to recharge up... his ship, but only at a low power, so nobody can detect that he's there. Right, right. There and then go. there is the whole like, why? Why that should matter? Under... I don't know because he looks exactly like other people. So, like, yeah. who cares? Well, my... Does he look exactly like other people? <laughs> well, I do have questions about the alien aspect of him because. He's not like he's big and he's strong, and I guess that's really the only thing that makes him an alien is his, like crazy super strength. But he, yeah, he looks basically like a normal dude. He's just a big normal dude. Yeah, um, wearing a weird outfit at the beginning. Um, 
And, and that's really the gist of the movie. I mean, there's a lot to do. With- and then he befriends a family and teaches the right. family, the well, particularly the dad, he teaches the dad the importance of assertiveness. That's True. the motto. So I guess that's like the main theme of the movie. But my favorite part <laughs> was the gags. I liked this. <laughs> I liked the sight gags and the just silly. There was just an the various fates of strength. <laughs> but my favorite one, I think my favorite one, um, was <laughs> when he first gets there and he sees <laughs> he sees the dog in the car with the muzzle and the dog oh, yeah, lunch. <laughs> and he's like, mm-hmm. and then so it's a dude eating lunch, like, and the dog is in the car barking and like telling his dog to shut up. And then you see Hulk with And the dogs both. in the muzzle and the windows are all up. Yeah, and yeah, it's so a hot Bad sun. dog owner. So shame on that guy. So then I don't feel bad for what happens. So then you, <laughs> you see Hulk look at them. And then you go back. And now the dog is eating lunch at the outdoor restaurant. The guy is in the car with the muzzle on and the windows rolled up. And Hulk is walking away in the dude's clothes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Full clothes because before that he was in his spaceman outfit. Um, right, and he got made fun of by some random guy on the street for his outfit. So he was like, shoot, I need to change. Guess you don't uh, shop off we- the rack, do you, buddy? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The one-liners are key. So, like, okay. So there are two, these are two separate themes that I thought we should discuss, which is one-liners, which could be like one-liners slash sight gags. And then the yeah. other theme is Hulk's different Lukes in this <laughs> Movie. Uh, so where would you guys like to start? Uh, okay. Yeah. Do, do we want to? I, in the, the nature of your podcast, I actually went through this scene by scene and told the story of okay. the movie. Okay. Do we want to do that and address each one as we go? Because I feel like I've earned the right to do it because it took me fucking sure. ages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you can absolutely do that if you like. Which was really punishing to do when you're just like, Dog gag. Like, <laughs> just, I did it with no sound on. So I watched it the first time and then I went back with no sound on and I was just like typing like little notes. So it's the first time I've ever done notes for this podcast. So I'm feeling very proud of them. So maybe I'll, yeah, I'll run through it real quick. Use them. Let's do it. Okay. So uh, yes, as Amy mentioned, we open up to an old school spaceship battle and I literally have Star Wars going to sue somebody. Uh, yeah. No, I wrote down my notes say... Star Wars X-Wings and Imperial Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's even like the, the shot of the, the big one coming over yes. the top, like exactly the same. Yes. Do, and then Do we then have any proof ne- that Star Wars was before this or maybe Star Wars is based on this? Did they do uh, it didn't first? Didn't original Star Wars come out in 1978? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It was Star Wars then. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually one of the things that I – quite ended up enjoying about this movie though i do wonder about what the copyright nature of this was they incorporate like every element of family sci-fi into this so we have the star wars kind of like space scenes when so we follow this like space battle and then we go into the imperial cruiser and it's fat darth vader is there (laughs) Um, <laughs> That's the evil General and, Suter, I believe is his name. Yes. Uh, and um, we know he's evil because he turns around very slowly in a chair wearing black robes. Indeed. And yeah. then 
like and then of course we've got Doc Brown who's in the mix and there are later times I can't remember now um where I would write down what other like sci-fi movie this thing was reminding me of. that is <laughs> that is a great piece a million <laughs> times they just like take from these other things and are like here you go this is what kids like enjoy I love it <laughs> well, uh, I will hope that you continue to bring them up throughout this as, as we I go will. through. I'm going to need I to will. know them. So anyway, uh, he is uh, he's very evil. He's turned around uh, and he's got uh, President Hashina, I believe is his name, held captive. And he, he's like, I've conquered like four worlds, bro. You need to be the next. And he's like, nah, I never surrender to you. That would be bad. But then there's an alert and uh, we suddenly know by the fear in uh, in Soda's eyes that Shep Ramsey is aboard the ship and he is uh, fucking everybody up. Why is his name – why – they? so they've got General Souter. There's like President Hashimoto or whatever you just said. Hashina. Why, why <laughs> is his name Shep Ramsey? I don't know. I don't – are there famous Sheps in the world? Like who, who? Hang on, let's have a look at this. Famous and Shep. Let's see what happens and see. Maybe they've named him an, after somebody. It's just such an Earth name. Famous shepherds. He, there you go. Okay. Who's the most famous he, shepherd you know? Isn't it Moses or somebody? Ever? Huh? <laughs> Who's does the he most say famous? My name is Shep ever? Uh, yeah. so other people call him Shep. Yeah, but does he ever say that's my name or they just start calling him that? They just start He's, calling well, him. Well, because the whole, <laughs> the whole premise of this opening scene is that everyone knows who Ramsey is. Right. And that right. strikes fear in the hearts of millions. Yeah, everyone's worried about it. They are concerned. Uh, I don't know why, <laughs> why they chose that name. That's a weird it's name. It's so random for an intergalactic, like, Super bounty hunter, like to have just such like a casual sounding name. He sounds yeah. like he should be a fucking golf pro. <laughs> like, <laughs> he does, or like a a used car salesman. Yeah, or something. like like Shooter like, McGavin from, <laughs> from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, this then brings me to one of my favorite things, which is this first look that's revealed when Shep shows up. Mm-hmm. Cause like, oh my God, this like, and as well, it's like very kind of done in the way. So first, don't we first see a shot of his special mechanical boots, like clinking down the walkway and then people getting punched. Yeah. And then we get like a shot of his chest, I think, where it's like a weird breastplate situation happening with no shirt on underneath. Catch a glimpse Um, of the traps. (laughs) Yeah, we get a nice shot of his cod piece as well um, because even in space you need some version of a jock strap apparently. Um, But my favorite part of this look by far, which remains throughout the rest of the movie, tiny little braid Uh, down the side and a gold pirate earring in the ear. You cannot tell me that the Phantom Menace didn't start doing those Jedi ponytails because of this. It's true. That, so You're so right. He took I a little even... bit from them. They took a little bit yeah. from him. It's like, a, you know, everybody working together. Perfect. 
perfect <laughs> symbiosis between those two franchises. Yeah. They didn't know that they were actually sister franchises. Hear me out. Fact, Is Shep Ramsey a Jedi? Uh, no. <laughs> he seems a little too brutish. He's not doesn't quite yeah. have like the <laughs> the he might be in training, like isn't? Don't you get the braid? I'm not like a huge Star Wars guy by any means, but don't you get the, like the little braid when you're like a a Padawan or like a yeah. trainee? Yeah, maybe he's just figuring That's it out. True. Get off his. That's his true. Dick about it. I mean, he. It, it, I agree with Amy. He's got like a little too much rage that is not underneath the surface. It's fully at the surface. Mm. That suggests he's not really Jedi material, in my opinion. <laughs> maybe it's a dropout, mechanican. <laughs> Um, but no, that was, he could harness his rage maybe and get there. I know. But like truly that reveal, I, like I was laughing in my house by myself, like a cackle of just, just when you saw him for the first time, like I knew, I knew that there was going to be a certain amount of like flair in a wrestling movie, I guess, or like, you know, but that was like, this is even more than what I thought it was going to be. And then also what I noticed in this opening scene, so he's like coming in and he's like punching people in the face, um, making various jokes about like jumping in the elevator and telling the guys who are in there that they're going down and then the elevator goes down and you're like, of course. That's a good joke. Um, But did you, either (laughs) of you notice that all of these uh, shitty stormtroopers, I guess, um, they all had long blonde ponytails. I, <laughs> no, I didn't it, notice it, that. I, I missed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did they, I, was like, I know they all had like I some was, kind of face paint or eye makeup or something going yeah. on. Yeah. I can't even I, picture them now. I love a really good long blonde ponytail on anyone. So I really noticed it a lot. <laughs> and at first I thought it was, and it's also the early nineties, which was the era of the man with the long, long ponytail. And then I noticed all of them had it. And I was like, Oh, so they are, they've all put extensions on these guys. Cause there's no way that there are this many men who have the same type of ponytail. That was Maybe the casting they call. They had those hats. Do you remember those hats that would have the ponytail that hang up? Oh, yeah. I totally oh. remember those. <laughs> were they wearing hats? I don't remember. They were wearing hats. Oh, there you go. They, oh, I my was, God. I they had it. the ponytail hats. Because uh, so, those were big yeah. in the 90s. They were. They so were. I like to imagine um, that. The... I mean, I like them. <laughs> same. <laughs> I like to imagine that General Souter actually issues out the hats with the ponytails. Like he's like, I'm yeah. gonna need you all to to rock this look for me real quick. <laughs> yes, it, I mean it's all the the opening moments of this like, because I guess it's the only time we really see Ramsey in action, right? Like in his real life job, and it's just like look after look after look. Everyone like there's fat Darth Vader, there's President Guy who's got like the future president suit on and then they're they're the shitty stormtroopers and they're wearing all black and they have these long ponytails then there's ramsey himself who's in his like vaguely like zeus inspired ensemble like and then like everything in the ship is like the color that's like a weird neon purple in the background like it's just like everything that is 1991 encapsulated in a six and a half minute (laughs) like chunk yeah, yeah. Wait, you said you said something that made me. Now I have a question. It you said future look of the president 
is this what's the what year is this supposed to be? Is it supposed to be 1991 mm. or is it supposed to be futury? I, I think it's supposed to be 1991. I think it's 1991, I mean, it like but 1991. but the space the spacelings are a bit more advanced than us, so they're uh, they're right. already living our like 2031. You know, okay, right? Fair yeah. enough. Because <laughs> then the whole like the reason why the reason why Ramsey needs to go to Earth to relax is partially because then the president has that weird like block he takes out from his well sleeve? well i'm glad you brought that up so then what happens is uh shep is beating everybody up until he's suddenly not they get the best of him and then they don't again uh and then the the evil general Suda pulls out his gun and he's like oh you're fucked now ramsey but then the president pulls out what looks like an a4 sheet of metal uh yes and throws it with or like you know how in Charlie Brown and the Cho- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the old version, the old movie, the size of a Wonka bar. It's like <laughs> perfect it's sleeve size. That's what you're saying. It's, he just slides it out from the wrist of his suit, and it's like, isn't it like just a plain white block? It's like me- it's like metallic. Right. It's like a, a a metal plate. So he's just got a plain metal plate that doesn't look sharp at all, and then he throws it with amazing precision for a president. And like cuts mm. off Suda's hand. Oh, is that what it does? I thought that block is what turns Suda into the xenomorph. No, nah, well, that's what because happens. He cuts off his hand, and then his hand like appears. Yeah, out it comes out that. like, like, and reveals his yeah. monstrous form, like from the stump. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, 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 <laughs> wait. Rewind. He doesn't turn into. I don't think he doesn't turn into the full creature in this part. We don't just, see, no. We don't see the full no. change. We see the hand. We see the eyes, and then Shep's like, "Get the fuck out of here!" There's a brother. But wait, and then, <laughs> then he like bites. Guys, guys, this is not the question I wanted to ask. My question is: Is does that weird block that the president like throws at him? Does that turn him into a xenomorph, or does it simply reveal that he's like a xenomorph in a human suit? Yeah, second one, I think. Reveal. I think it chops oh, off his okay. hand and reveals that. What we learn about Suta is that he is a xenomorph wearing a human skin and that when Got he it. takes any kind of damage to his human suit, then he goes, rah, and like turns into like his real form, which is why I, I guess later when we'll touch on it, when, uh, he goes full berserk. Uh, when we see that. So anyway, uh, our boy Shep sees that he's cut off the hand and he's like, oh man, you've revealed the xenomorph. And he's like, run. But then Hashida gets killed. Uh, he rips off like this side hatch and dives in it to save himself. And as he's shooting oh, right. down the... He's wriggling in the pipes. Well, not wriggling because yeah. he hits his jet boots. He's zooming through the oh, pipes yeah. at Helfer, throwing like landmine type things everywhere. He's like, I'm... Um, I'm burning this place down and I'm salting the earth. I can't save the present now. He's cooked. And so he zooms down out through the thing. He's running awkwardly, like through passages, throwing even more of them everywhere, jumps in a skate pod that he conveniently knows where it is, shoots out just as the explosion happens. And then he's like trying to get control of it and then does, and then gets into his real spaceship, which leads to the conversation that Amy illuminates with, with his, uh, his boss. Roy Dotrice, there you go. Ha ha, look at my notes, guys. It told us who it was. Yeah. No, I looked him up too, and I don't remember why I recognized that man's face, but I recognized it 
right away as well. And I don't I know like, who oh, that is, but I may guy. know. Him. Yeah, it sounds like he's <laughs> semi-famous. So yeah, he's in there, and then everything that Amy told us happens. He uh, needs to crash land his ship. He needs to recharge it like low, low power, so he doesn't get detected by all the baddies that want to get him. And he's got to go to Earth, but he hates them. Cue some kind of terrible remix song with like about how good uh, oh, Earth yeah. is with Hulk's voice. In I wrote. It. I wrote down Suburban Commando Rap. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if on the fly through the power of YouTube I can cue it up. Earthlings. I hate Earthlings. If the men in the moon look out on this place, yeah, this ball in space, we say face to face, oh, look here. It's our crib, my friend. But see, you don't care, but you'd rather be here than there. Here's your shot till you drop your fucking stop. Dad? Come on in, honey. Mom says to tell you to go to work. Please, Dad, get a grip. Tell your mom I'll be right. Oh, get a grip. Oh, man. But I wouldn't want to visit. Such a nice place to live. Nah. It's a nice place to live. But I wouldn't want to visit. Such a nice place to live. Get ready to party. That's what I I had to stop it because I'm like, why does this exist? Why? P.S. That is way fucking better than I remember. Oh my I god, that's like that song. a bit of a jam. I gotta say, like, it's a fun. It's a great like walking pace, which I guess, which is what's happening. I think this is when he's walking down the street. But it oh does yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, this is current. Yeah. What we're currently looking at is. Uh, Charlie, who's Christopher Lloyd, has been uh, welding a skateboard. They love skateboards in this movie. Welding a skateboard. Oh, then his daughter comes in, interrupts him, and then he's like walking to work. So he's got his welding helmet on and he's putting on his suit jacket. Yeah. And so yeah, he's right. going to go but talk also, to Also, this is like that time. I'm sure it was like this in Australia, but in the US, like this was that time where like people were like, the way we show something is cool is with rap. Yeah. Oh, like, that's, that's how you do how- it. <laughs> And so then you'd like get things like Bill Nye, the science guy being like, yo, 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 let me tell you all about the, uh, like protons. And it's like, no, 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 no. Is, I don't. This is whack. Uh, or like, you know, it's like, learn about the environment, the environment. Let's have it. Like, and you're like, whoa, man. Like, I don't know. So but like I like it. it. I like it. I always like something- the like Jesus raps and stuff that like the super like Christians <laughs> do and stuff on YouTube. We watch them all the time. Like Jesus is my friend. Have you like, yeah. like that kind of stuff where it's like, yeah. yo, you could be friends with Jesus too. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and I don't want to be friends with you. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, there's, this there's is some good flat earth rap too, if you're into yeah. that. Genre. But like, to me, this sums up what I think I find most endearing about this movie is it is such an obvious product of its time. It's like literally doing every single like pandering, I guess you could call it or whatever, but like it's doing all of them. It's not like sticking to one. It's like, oh, well, we're going to have these Star Wars references and we're going to have a cheesy rap and we're going to do skateboards and we're going to have hammer pants. And like, it just doesn't stop. It just does all of them, which again, like I didn't do enough looking into like the production company that's involved in this, but that too, to me, like fits with the, the wrestling side, right? Like, why do just one thing when you could do all the things? <laughs> right? just, just do them all at once. It's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like put them all together, whip them all up, and it'll be great. And it, I mean, watching yeah. this movie is like a time capsule. Like it's yeah, just so exactly. hilarious. It's it's really. Like I, it's it's kind of as terrible as I did have a good time watching it. I I, I was watching it in bed, and my my wife was next to me, like trying to go to sleep, and she's like, "How are you guys going to talk about this for like any period of time?" And I'm like, "Oh, we're going to talk about it. Don't worry." About there's that. Oh my God. there's any number like the fact that the neighbors are like deeply into dune buggies and dragsters. Don't forget that dragster as well. Yeah. Like <laughs> all of it and then and then like Hulk you can like even you can picture like you were saying Amy like the rap is playing and he's like gunk gunk. Yeah. I'm walking down the street. I'm walking down the street like a real cool guy and then like little like vignettes happen like the dog thing or like yeah. the one isn't that is this the one where he like sees a business lady trying to get a soda and then yeah soda machine takes her money and then he like does like the bump and then all the coins come out well it's funny that you asked that so then what happens now is that uh once uh he's done welding in the shop uh charlie christopher lloyd he goes in and yep. speaks to his wife uh she is like you need to ask for a raise you do way too much work oh, yeah. and you need to be doing it he's not really keen because he's pretty mild-mannered and he's worried that like if he asks he doesn't get it then he'll be out of work and he doesn't want that to happen he's playing it very safe um, well, and that's the key. There's multiple times over Shelley Duvall and Doc Brown say to each other, play it safe. Like that, like it's said about a thousand times in this short. That's like shit. their mantra or his mantra anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Until he really gets to know Shep Ramsey. So he, right. <laughs> this is what we're going to learn. Be more assertive. So he, right. it, it then cuts to him. He's like, look, oh, I promise I'll try. And then it cuts to him in the office and he's like carrying on like, I work my butt for this company and I do this. And you're like, oh, he's really giving it to him. But he's just talking to the secretary who's like outside. And she's <laughs> like, cool, all you need to do now is tell it to our sleazy boss. And he's like, yeah, I will. And then it's like time to go in and see the sleazy boss who's like a pretty funny dude really. This, like, like we yeah. said, this actor's like always hell funny. Yeah, and then also an important development that happens in this scene where uh, Doc Brown is trying to ask for a raise. Um, his boss shows him those awards. Yes, that so he's the won. the awards that he has been uh, taking credit for other people's work, and they're all conveniently in pure Simeon Crystal. That may or may now, not not is, come into play later, but uh, he's yeah, got a, a cabinet full weird. of crystals. Mm. It's weird how someone would say the phrase. Pure Simeon Crystal <laughs> in what a way that even mean? in a way that suggests one, we all should know what that is. Um yeah. and two, it's just like just a a hint more of information than seems necessary. And it's not like to- even a flex. It's not like this is twenty-four karat platinum. Like it's not like twenty-four right. karat gold. This is pure diamond. It's like this is pure simian crystal. I have lived for thirty plus years of life. I have never come across pure simian crystal i've never heard no. of like rappers wearing it on a chain like i've no. never like even gone to my grandmother's house and seen like small animals or goblets made out of it like it's not a thing that people flex on so the fact that he's so into it and that some architectural body is giving it out as awards it's very interesting to me it's a choice uh also just googled it um 
Simeon does appear to be some form of crystal. <laughs> um, so by saying it, Simeon crystal, he's saying crystal crystal? Is that what you're <laughs> Uh, no, okay, so the images that go along with this are just a bunch of monkeys made out of crystal, so maybe this isn't as real as I thought Oh, so maybe they do make um, those small animals that my nana had at her house out of simian crystal. I think, uh, okay, wait, um, hold on. Simian? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, no, simian crystal means nothing. Oh, that I now... <laughs> okay. Just... I just wanted to figure that out. Um, most of what, when I just Googled, most of what I learned is that the primate, a.k.a. simian version of HIV, is in a crystalline shape. That's what I know. So, uh, yeah, just, just saying. Maybe, uh, maybe Ray, if you want to edit this part out. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say is I went on that tirade and I was like, not even those stupid animals that my grandma had in her house because she used to always have these little crystal animals. Turns out they were simian crystals. So I think I'm looking at pictures of them now and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I like literally saw that on my childhood, like up on her, her mantle. <laughs> she had heaps of these stupid things. Um, and there you go. So why then would you not have them all in shapes of animals instead of just dumb crystal shapes? Like, if I'm going to flex on somebody, I'd be like, look at my extensive collection of crystal animals. Pure yeah. <laughs> like that. I feel like that's cooler than just dumb crystal shape. I mean, we know why this has, why the shot, like, we even have the shot of the, like, awards case that they're mm. in. Custom case. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very heavy-handed mm -hmm. about why we have this information. Um, I, I need course, to bring this up. I need to bring this up real quick. Just want to... Want everybody to remember that custom case because there's a scene later where they're no longer in the custom case; they're just on a table in yeah. in a workspace, like like in a, in a renovation right. type tarped off area. And you're like, "Whatever happened to the case?" Oh, because the boss man wants to show them to the Japanese business people who are. They've also seen them. They've been in his office like a hundred times. <laughs> okay, hang on. Back to the plot, dude. <laughs> okay, so anyway, he learns about the crystals. He knows they're pure simian. Gets flexed on. Gets ushered out as the uh, as the Japanese people uh, come in. Um, right. So meanwhile, ship lands on Earth in what looks like some kind of abandoned roller disco bar thing. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. He turns on the power. It puts on some more funky music, and he's pretty disgusted by it. He grabs up some conveniently placed power cables, snaps them into his ship, and begins the charging process. Uh, that then So you can just charge off anything. Then. Oh, well, apparently you've just got heavy-duty power cables, and I'm not talking an extension cable. I'm talking like power lines just laying on the ground that you can then tear up and just plug into <laughs> something. He did mention something about where's that power converter, but uh, I don't know. That seems, <laughs> seems thin. I'm surprised they even bothered doing that. Yeah. I mean, oh they do God. look like the size of power cables that in like a Batman thing, like a Batman villain would be created out of them. If you were to be electrocuted by them, then you'd become like uh, Electro or something like yes, that's yeah, the exactly. size. There's these, they're like these massive like cords of cable that go into, but I guess it is powering a spaceship. Exactly. So. But my question is why are they in a roller disco? Oh, this, okay. So this is actually... <laughs> Uh, this, or this is my, uh, interpretation. It goes back to what I was saying. This is like quintessential early nineties. Everyone 
quote unquote hates disco now. And so oh. the joke is that this place is so abandoned because disco sucks so sucks. hard. Listen to and rap. So yeah, listen to rap, listen to anything, but remember like, that's the whole thing is like, if jokes are about distance in time away from the thing, we're at the we're at that moment where everyone was like, "Remember how shitty disco was?" Oh, <laughs> and, like, and also like skating, right? They're all about skateboards now. Like, could you imagine wearing true. roller skates looking like an asshole over here? Exactly. Yeah, that's ah. true. Yeah. Well, there you that's go. My interpretation. Well, there you go. They're going in hard on disco and skating. Okay, everybody, we're going to hit pause right there. If you can believe it or not, the girls and myself ended up talking about this 90-minute movie for about three hours. We had a great time catching up and having a laugh about it, and we hope you are too. Uh, We'll be back next week with the next instalment, so hopefully you've enjoyed it and you'll be back with us then. Uh, In the meantime, you can check them out online at seeyounextweekinspace.com or you can check them out on Instagram at See You Next Week in Space. You can also check out my podcast, Faces and Feels, on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at Faces Feels Cast, or drop me a line with uh, any comments or any feedback, or even if you have any other suggestions that you think would be fun for us to talk about within this medium, that would be fun to do again as well. And you can get me at facesandfeels at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. In the ring!